We're going to start with a word of prayer, and uh, I want to pray that the good Lord sends any additional snow to Iowa, because uh, they, they really, they're hurting there in Iowa. They need this stuff pretty bad. Um, now, I hope you've had a good week. It's, it's, uh, it's Valentine's Day, and it seems like it's Christmas, uh, but here, here we are. I do. I want to. I want to pray. We're going to dig back in on on this. Uh, we're we're going to be at the end of chapter 15 and then going into chapter 16. Uh, I have kind of. I kind of wanted to go into the Old Testament for our next class, and so I had in my mind, you know, Ron, let's do Ecclesiastes. Your your group did that, and then I was sitting one morning, and I mean, it just it actually literally blurted out of my mouth, Daniel. And um, I think I think I know why. I mean, that's that that doesn't normally happen to me. But um, when I think about the time we're living in, I don't think we can get more, you know, honed in than we will with with Daniel. It'll be good to do a little bit of Old Testament study. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I do want to close out Romans in a strong way. So why don't we start with prayer, Lord? As we come together this morning, we come as as your your children. Your frozen children, but we're your children, and we come to sit underneath a word that that just le- helps us listen to how you work in our lives, how you work in in this in this church and in this place and in this city. Lord, help us to de- to discover that anew, and Lord, give us courage and strength to be the church uh, in a time where uh, the hope that you bring is so desperately needed. Lord, we give you this time. We ask that you be with us in Jesus' name. Let's say it together. Amen. Uh, we're at the. We're going to start at verse number thirty. I'll, I'll kind of remind you where we are. We're at the closing part of of this book of Romans, and Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. Uh, when we read the book of Acts, we we recognize that what Paul has been doing has been moving around the church houses, strengthening them, but also collecting a, an offering to bring to Jerusalem. Uh, there's a famine going on in Jerusalem. And um, so the, the church has stepped up and said, hey, we're going we're gonna to supply for the needs of, our, of not just our brothers and sisters in Christ, but I think, again, one of the most powerful things about the, the church when you study it in the New Testament is uh, they, know, they knew we are here to serve people. And every person that God has made has a soul, and every person that God has made we, we desire for them to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, when I look at what made the church powerful, it was the fact that they gave themselves away, even to people who uh, opposed them, even to people who would say, we stand against, against you. Uh, so this offering, uh, was it for the church? Yes, it was, but it was beyond that. It was for the, the people in Jerusalem. And so he's anxious to go into Jerusalem and, and give this, this needed uh, offering away so that he can literally physically serve uh, people the church can. Um, following that, he's what he's, what he's said is in this letter is, I want to come to you. I want to come to Rome. And um, I want to share some time with you before going on to Spain. Uh, what he does know as, as a fact is that at, at one point or another, he will die in Rome. And so there, there is a sense here in this book of hand, kind of handing off that baton. And we've heard that throughout chapter 16, this idea of um, 
hey, I, I really I want to encourage you. Um, I want to I want to really celebrate with you what God has, has done within you, who who you are. Uh, but I'm 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 ready. I'm I'm going to take this offering, and then I'm 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 ready when that moment comes. I'm ready to die. Uh, I love verse 30 where it starts off. I'll just read this first verse. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. That term, I appeal to you, is parakaleo. And again, that, that has a little bit more punch to it. Para towards kaleo, your call. In other words, I've, I've, I've come amongst you and I haven't held back. I'm always going to... Um, point you back to your calling. What is it that you should be doing? Why do you exist? Why, why are you here? And that calling is centered in uh, the Great Commission to make disciples. That's why you're here. Not, not to have potlucks. Not, to, not, not for yourselves. You're here to make disciples. And so he's been, he's been doing that you know, throughout this letter is calling people to recognize uh, their calling. Um, through Jesus Christ and through the Spirit, who what is a Spirit of love, the Spirit who loves this community, Rome, and wants to see the the gospel spread. Here's my favorite part of it: I appeal to you, or I point you to my to your calling, by the love of the Spirit. This is the English: to strive together with me in your prayers. And I'm going I'm to do a couple of things with this. First thing is, I want I really do want to challenge you. Um, there's a few of you in, in this room I can, I can right away look at and say, you, you'll get what I'm saying. When is the last time you, you strove in your prayers? You strove in your prayers. That, that word has a picture to it, doesn't it? It's not like a quick prayer. It's not like, hey, come Lord Jesus, be your guest. Come Lord Jesus, I'm so God. No, it's not that. What's striving? What does it feel like? You ever get one of those tires, Dan, behind you? They get it filled with cement and they strap you in it. I remember that in high school. And they're like, go. And you go, go faster. (laughs) You're striving. You're pulling. Uh, The word that's used here in in Greek uh, is is really telling. I'm going to say it slowly so you can hear it in English. Soon agnis astai. Soon agnististai. I want to emphasize this first part of it. Soon means together with. Agn, agni, ago what? Agony, right? When you're pulling that tire, you're not like, hey, it's a beautiful day. No, you're pulling that tire like, man, my legs hurt, my back hurts, my butt hurts, I hurt. I, I don't have locked jaw, I have locked body, right? I mean, you're pulling it. He's saying, this is your prayer life together with me now. Would you join me and would you pull together with me towards what? Bringing this offering to Jerusalem towards your your going out as a church into this community. Uh, Let's put all of us into it. When you pull that tire, everything is into it. That's what I'm calling for. I'm calling for you to to do that uh, in your prayer life with me towards seeing this, this gospel spread. I was thinking about that. Uh, we've got, <clears throat> this morning, we've got our, one of our first uh, in-person uh, meetings with folks that are joining this church. And um, I thought, wouldn't it be good just to kind of put it on the line 
you know, thank you for joining our church. We're going to invite you into agony. What is your what is your church got for us? Agony. We're gonna we're, we're good at it. We're gonna cause a lot of agony in your life. Well, I don't. I'm getting a new church, right? I don't want that. People don't want that. But what it really talks about when you talk about agony, <clears throat> you're talking about <clears throat> adapting the passion of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> there is a heaviness to it. There there's a pull to it. There's a sense in which I look at this city and I see person after person after person. I don't know their names. Jesus Christ knows their name. Every one of them. I don't know what's happening in their life. But there's a lot of people in this city there right, right now, honestly, if they died, they're apart from, from God for eternity. And so agony means I, I want to be in a, in a prayer, in a prayerful way, striving together with you. I mean, honestly, with you. With, with the Spirit of God towards what it will it take for us to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to this city, into my neighborhood, where I can tell you right now, because I'm, I'm getting to know the, the neighbors, there's people, <clears throat> they, they're, they're going to die apart from Jesus Christ as of right now. I, that's agony. It's taking it on and recognizing in the heart of Jesus Christ, there's a love for the people that he made for himself. And we together strive with him um, yeah, I, I, always tell, I always tell people in the church, there's no room, there really is no room for wimpiness. There just isn't. Um, for whining about, I, 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 I didn't like that, I didn't like that ham. I'm like, congratulations. <laughs> but, uh, that's awesome. I, 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 I don't, we need to get new wafers for communion. Well, it's Valentine's Day, we'll use chocolate hearts. Would that make you happy? I mean, <laughs> what are we talking about? There really is no room for wimpiness, not in the body of Christ. Um, there, is, there is us human beings that we, we relinquish. All, I, I don't, what rights do you have? I have no rights. I'm owned by the Lord Jesus Christ. And my heart is towards striving together with him. And, and a big part of that is we put ourselves in prayer. That's, what, that's really what Paul is calling for here as he's closing this out is, I'm going to be moving on, right? I'm going to Jerusalem. But you're with me. You're striving with me. And then I'm going to be going into Spain, God willing. Uh, be with me in, in that prayer life. And, and I believe that there's a very real sense in which um, the believers listening to him under, understand what's going on. Verse 31, he gives you a little insight into what's going to happen as he makes his way towards Jerusalem. He says that I may be delivered from unbelievers in, in Judea. Specifically in Judea, those unbelievers would be Jews. And no doubt, Paul's very aware that wherever he goes, there's a target on him. I mean, talk about a GPS system. The Jews had it. And they knew where he was, when he was, and they per very purposely set up traps for him. Uh, they set up opportunities for the, the Jewish church to shut him down. And he's saying, just as we're striving together in prayer, one of, one of the things I'm asking you to pray for specifically is that those efforts on behalf of the Jewish church to shut me down are disrupted. That that, uh, that, that can't happen. Um, and, and instead, that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable uh, to the saints. Um, it's not like, I'm, Paul's not saying when I get there and I share this offering with them that they... They look at it and go, that, that's it. 
That's all you're, that's all you're going to put in the plate? That's not what he's talking about when he says acceptable. Acceptable means that when I get there to Jerusalem, that it's enough for them. Let it be enough for them. Let it be enough to help serve the saints and not just serve the saints, but allow the saints to do what? To serve others. Um, interesting phenomena. And, and all of you who've ever been in a mission field know this to be true. Um, I'm in Peru. Okay. And we've left the city of Lima and um, we're driving. And the further we drive, the more desolate the world becomes. And to, gets to the point where there are no blades of grass, there are no shrubs, there are no trees, there are rocks, and there is dirt. And I'm thinking to myself, where are we going? And the bus stops. And there's little hills going up. And on the hills, there looks to be like little, I don't know exactly what they are. There looks like there's boxes and weird looking stuff. And I'm new to this, so I'm asking the question, what, 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 what is all that? Those are people's homes. Isn't that, a, isn't that a box? Yes, that's a cardboard box. They live in the box. They live in that box. Their children live with them in the box, but their children won't be here today because they walk the, the miles that we just drove. They walk those miles into Lima to earn enough money to, to come back and with some, some food. I'm making my way up this hill into one of the boxes, and I'm thinking to myself as I go, what in the am I going to say when I get into that box? And here's this little old lady. She's a viejo. She's like me, old person, right? And with her, with her abuela, with her, her husband, grandfather. And um, there they sit with nothing, just literally, literally nothing. And I'm thinking, man, what, what do I have to bring to them? And you, you know exactly what ends up happening. And we shared some scripture. We shared prayer time together. Uh, we had brought some, some food. They, they wanted to give they wanted to give back to me. Oh no, 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 I don't need that. I don't need, I, I have all that. And I thought, you know, um, in, in our world today, as we go around the globe, how many people are, are living in that in that place where I don't know what we're going to eat? And Jerusalem has become. I mean, it's become, it's, it's hard. There, there, this isn't like a little famine. There's, there's death. And so let it be acceptable. God, let it fill up, let it fill up the, the saints. But here's what the saints are going to do with it. I don't need it. I want to give it to my neighbor. But your neighbor's not a saint. Look, they're, they're, they're the, look, who are they? I want to serve them. That's what the saints will do. And because they do, I believe we begin to see really God work in a powerful way in Jerusalem through this offering. I mean, it starts off, it's about money. It's really not. It's about giving away of yourself to others. And it will change Jerusalem. And um, so this striving in agony together with Paul on the way to Jerusalem, they don't even know it. But this will impact this city in a substantial way. Uh, in a substantial way. I, uh, a little side note here, because um, I, I just want to be able to say this. And I know he would not receive it if I did, but, um, you know, we, we had, had a, a blessing in the, the course of this past year to be able to end off uh, in, in, quote unquote, in the black. And I thought it was just a beautiful moment 
when Kirk shook. And if you don't know Kirk, this, this is just him, said, I think we need to tithe, tithe to our city. And um, in every Lutheran group, there's at least one person who stands up and says, um, how are we going to afford that, right? In every Lutheran group, there's one that has the gift of worry and the gift of concern. I mean, there's always one. And um, I was really thankful for our council because there, there really wasn't that. There was a sense of, we do. Karen uh, Rathke works with the United Way. Uh, I called her. She says, oh my gosh. She says, I can't believe your timing because we're in a condition right now where all, almost all of the programs that we've been able to, to serve people with, they're done. And we are in huge need. And so um, I think that there's a sense in which that, hey, we're part of a community. We're not here to, to take from the community. We're here to help change the community. And you don't do it manipulatively, like, hey, we gave you money. Now, what would it? No, you just do it, just release. And I think that's, that, that's what happens in Jerusalem as this, as this gift is brought to the saints. And uh, certainly there's provision there. But I think there's a giving away uh, that's part of this striving together on behalf of the one thing that matters the most. I can feed you today and you'll die tomorrow, but what will happen to you for eternity? That's what I'm interested in, is being able to, to serve your, your soul. He ends off uh, verse 32 saying, so, so that by God's will I may come to you. I, I really do want to come to you, but I haven't been able to. hasn't been God's will. That's my prayer, that I can come to you with joy. I want to come back and be able to tell you stories what I'm seeing happen in Jerusalem. I want to come back with joy. I want to be refreshed in your company. Um, this, is, this is a sense in which when I think about the refreshing that Paul what, fill, what fills up his cup, we talked about this last week, are those stories of God's working through the, the, through the house church in Rome. Um, we, for some reason, we've gotten into a mindset here in America. People talk about, well, I don't want to have burnout. I don't want to, I'm, I need to be going on. I've got to have a sabbatical, all that kind of stuff. I'm thinking, I think Paul took a sabbatical in prison. I mean, they threw him in, they put, put him in prison. <laughs> um, I, I'm not sure that I really understand it all, but I understand this. For refreshment for, for Paul was not, hey, I'm gonna, I need time off. You know, I need, I, I'm going to head to get a Mai Tai in Hawaii. No, refreshment was, I need to be with you, and I, I want to hear, hear your stories. I'm not here to tell you. I'm not here to go, like, I'm Paul, and I'm going to. No, I just want to hear you. I want to listen to your stories and, and be refreshed. And, and, and as that happens, may the God of peace, may the God of peace, um, not Nixon peace, not, not fakey peace, but the God who brings peace between man and God. May he be the one who is with you. Amen. Verse chapter 16, um, the chapter that Fritz said we would never get to. Um, we're getting to. I want to kind of jump into that for just a little bit. This is one of those chapters, you know, as you get to the end of a lot of these letters, uh, most people um, either want to read really fast and just be done with it, or um, I would say it this way, this is one of those chapters where you pray to the good Lord Almighty that if you're asked to read on a Sunday morning, you don't get, you don't get one like this, because who can pronounce all those names, right? 
But it's, it's really interesting at the end of Romans to, to kind of look at these people and it there's a little bit of a snapshot of what's going on as Christianity or the way is beginning to, to, to spread. And um, Rome, a tough place for it to spread. So I want you to just kind of think with me about some of these names and what, what they mean. He starts off with this. I commend to you, I'm placing into your hands, our sister, Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sincrea, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Okay. Have we heard that name before, Phoebe? Is that, is that a familiar name? It seems like it. You know, you're kind of like, yeah, oh yeah, we've heard that name before. Actually, actually, um, no doubt she is well known to the church. Paul speaking of her in those terms, right? Not so well known to us. In other words, when we go back through the Bible and we try to find Phoebe, we're, we're not going to succeed, right? But we see, we see who she is here. And there's a couple of things said about her that I think are, are pretty significant. Uh, she's Greek. Her name is Greek. Um, she's designated with two different terms. So when you ask the question, who is Phoebe? The two terms, I'll, I'll let them stand out to you. She is called a servant. See that in verse 1? And then I want you to go down... Um, a little way to verse number two, and I want you to see the word patron. See the word patron? She's called two things. So these are, are, are almost titles that, are, that represent who she is. Now the first word is the surprising one. She is called a servant. The actual term is what? Diakonia. So in a church, if you came up to me and said, I'm a deacon, what would that mean? What would it mean? I'm a, I'm a deacon at this church. I'd say, well, do you, what do you do? Do you make the coffee or do you <laughs> make decisions? What, is it, what, is it, what does a deacon do? We don't, really have, we don't really have deacons in our church body, but we recognize the term as being very biblical. It was literally an office, if you think of it that way, in the New Testament church. I tend to think of it more as this is, this is a, a, a group of people that are called out to do a particular work. <laughs> So the diakonos, the deacons, are the people who, who, are, who are serving inside of the church. They, they, they really have a servant gifting. They are, are the people who, when, uh, when the apostles you know, reach a point where they can't do everything, and they say, we need, we need to have help, we need some people to help serve you know, food to the widows of the church, we need deacons. Diakonia is the person who's going to be the servant to the to the body uh, through the um, uh, person who maybe is serving as the, the person that's pastoring the church. So it, it's, it's kind of a recognized office. Our church body has deacons that, that play an official role. We have deaconesses okay, uh, who go to seminary, Get a degree. I'm a deaconess. I'm going to serve inside of a inside of a uh, inside of a church. It's just not that familiar to us. Here's the interesting thing with Phoebe. She is the only female diaconia named in the scriptures. Only female. Um, what's she doing? 
why is Paul saying, I'm going to commend her to you? I'm turning her over to you. What is she doing? Well, most, most um, historians believe that what she's, she's doing is she's the one who's carrying this letter to the home church. And so why is Paul commending her? I'm, I'm saying receiver. She's coming to your home church. She's coming to your home church. Now, home churches typically were regionally brought together by what we might call bishops, episcopae, who served a region. And so you might have a number of home churches that came together for the reading of this particular letter. And then I come over here, and in this region of the city, another group come together. But Phoebe is the one that's being received into the church. Why, why is that significant? Well, I think, I think we, we don't recognize it in our world today, but probably the most significant element of this is who's carrying the letter of Romans to the church and entering into the church with it, a female. Um, I was a junior, a junior, it's always good to be a junior, in uh, my college years at Concordia University Ann Arbor. And um, <clears throat> we had a, a paper that we were to select kind of a person that um, we, we could kind of do a little historical um, study of. And I thought, you know, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick this person who I, I really don't know his background, uh, um, but I think he'd be interesting to study, a guy named Gottschalk. He's German, I thought this would be interesting. Kind of has a little bit of the same story as a Bonhoeffer. And so I went into the library, and here's what I discovered was there really were not a lot of books about Gottschalk and his history. Now, part of that was good. You know, I, I pitied the guys who said, hey, I think I'll write a paper on Augustine. I'm like, well, you've got 50,000 books to read, you know. I had like three. The most prominent historian on Gottschalk happened to be a woman theologian who did a tremendous job of creating this, this historical you know, a uh, piece on his life. So I, I used her pretty heavily in my paper. I um, got a call from the professor, and I'm not gonna use his name, but here's what the call sounded like. Uh, Luke, can you come in? I need to talk to you just a little bit about your paper. I said, yes, sir. I came in. We sat down. Here's what he said to me. Um, I'm not giving you a grade on this paper. I'm going to return it to you. I want you to rewrite it and then resubmit it to me, but you cannot use a female theologian. Here's Luke. Luke says, that's unfortunate because this particular female theologian has written more about this person named Gottschalk than any human being who's ever lived on planet Earth. That was true. Well, you have to eliminate her from your paper. I scratched together a paper to get the thing done and turned in and eliminated all of that. That was back when I went through Concordia University Ann Arbor. This is a female. Now, what was her role in the church? Diakonia. She's a servant. And, in fact, a servant who played a pretty, pretty obviously a pretty significant role in the early church. And I think about that to this day that... Um, you know, in, in churches, you can build up biases that, that really cause you to, to lose what it means to be the body that God has called you to be. She is not playing a role that she shouldn't play. She is playing a role that God gave her to play. And in fact, Paul goes so far as to say, hey, look, she's been, she's been a patron to me along with a number of other people. What's a patron? 
she's a diakonia. She's also a patron. Here's the actual Greek word, prostasis. Prostasis. So, uh, histemi, that verb, means to stand up. So, stasis comes out of that verb. Pro means for. I'm for your standing. I'm, I'm to help you stand up. So, in some senses, you could say that if I were your patron, I might have you by the arm and be helping you stand up. But literally what patrons did in this particular time is they helped people accomplish their work by providing what? Physical means to them. So she probably was a fairly wealthy lady living, living uh, uh, in Sancria, part of Greece, who no doubt helped host a house church in that area. Uh, in, probably in her home, and who uh, served as a patron. In other words, I'll help financially give, give what you need to get the work of the gospel done. Uh, so Paul's saying, I received that from her. She, she patroned me. She helped me get done what I needed to get done. So as she comes into your region and into your, your house churches, Here's what I want you to do. Receive her with, with open arms. Would the Jews receive her? Now, if you've ever studied, you just, just I mean, in your, in your Bible, sometimes open up, just take a look at the, the design of the temple. We have the court, court of the woman. Or you're, you're separated out. You're not. A Jew would say what? You're, who are you? You're a female. You have nothing to do. Remember when Jesus said this? He says, you can't put new wine into old wineskins. That's what I feel when I read this, is that when you see this church in Rome, it has to be a new wine church. Because what's getting ready to happen, we're going out into something that, that we, we, we really, we, I mean, it's, it's, it's a Gentile, pagan, broken culture. Uh, where, by the way, women were used in religion, right? There were women priestesses, women priests. Most of them were sexualized and used in a very horrible way. And uh, so that is not how the Christians operated. They said, no, we are going to, to treat this person the way that uh, we would treat any saint. And so this is how I want you to, to receive her as a person who is a worthy saint of Jesus Christ. Somebody that when he, when he formed her in her mother's womb, this is what he set her apart to do. And she's coming with this, this book of Romans. It gives you a little insight, I think, into... Uh, how the church is, is going to be wired up in Rome. It's a new wine church. We need, to, we need to operate in a way that we embrace not what men have decided, but what God has chosen to make his, his body. So I think she's a significant person, the first person mentioned as, um, as Paul begins to wind up uh, his, his writing here. The second person he mentions is now... I don't know if this is in your scripture or not, but in mine, they shorten the name. Uh, so it says, greet Prisca and Aquila. Uh, so who would that be? Not Prisca, but yeah, it's just a shortened form for Priscilla and Aquila. Um, who, who really would that be, Priscilla and Aquila? <clears throat> well, unlike Phoebe, these are names we have heard before, and we do, we do recognize um, uh, who, who they are. If you, just for a minute, jump over to uh, Acts 18 with me. Um, 
Again, I just give you a little insight into how the church is wired up. You meet um, Priscilla and Aquila. So chapter 18, um, we're in Corinth. It's fall. It's about 51 AD. And um, we, see, we see Paul as he connects up with these, these two, two Jews, Aquila and Priscilla. So you just read, it says, After this, Paul left Athens. He went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy, with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded the Jews to leave Rome. This is when Claudius had said, I've had enough with the Jews. They created a train wreck here, and so out of here. This is the beginning of what we call the diaspora, the spreading out of, of the, the church. Uh, it says, he went to see them, Paul did, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked for they were tent makers by trade. It's interesting to me that God's using tent makers because so often the scriptures use this word picture that what God wants to do is I want to come and tent inside of you. And literally, isn't it kind of interesting? The Bible wastes no details that God in his magnificent plan before he said, let there be light, said, ah, I got an idea. Actually, this is how they speak to one another, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're always in conversation with each other. So the Father says, I got an idea. The Son says, what is it? The Holy Spirit goes, yeah, what is it? The Father says, well, when, when we start to put together the people that are going to actually change the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, let's grab a couple of tent makers. The Holy Spirit goes, I love it. Jesus goes, what? The Holy Spirit goes, don't you get it? Get what? <sighs> You're always doing this to me, Jesus. Tent, remember? Oh, I get it, right? That's how it kind of probably went, something like that. I think it's pretty cool, though, that, uh, that God chooses to work just in such a beautiful way. Um, let, me, let me take you to another, another section of this that, that kind of gives you some, some insight uh, into um, who these two people are. Um, because they play a role, they play a pretty significant role in really helping, um, you know, teach even someone like Apollos. So go over to verse 24. You kind of get a little bit more information about them. It says, now a Jew named Apollos. Does he become significant, Apollos? Yeah, he does. Did he write a book of the Bible, Apollos? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John... Paul, did he write a book of the Bible, Apollos? Is there a book of Apollos anywhere? There might be. Well, a lot of historians, and, and I kind of fall into this category, suggest that he wrote what? Hebrews. Hebrews is unnamed. The author is unnamed. And so many people believe that ultimately God chose Apollos to write. Hebrews can't prove that, but I, I do fall in the same line with historians that say, that say such. Okay, so now a Jew named Apollos, pretty significant guy, a native of Alexandria, Alexandria uh, being kind of a, if you think of Harvard, MIT, uh, you know, an, an area that you, you're recognized for education, well, that would be Alexandria. So he's an eloquent man. He's described that way. The actual term there is logias. He's a man of the word. He's, he's, he's a student, all right. But instead of studying engineering, he's chosen to do what? I'm going to study the word of God. He's competent, is how he's described. He's competent in the scriptures. 
Okay. If I asked a group of pastors right now, today, how many of your confirmands are competent in the scriptures? How would we do? Not very well. If I asked a group of pastors in your congregation, you know, we're, we're pretty, we're pretty get hyped up about this as Lutherans. We, we practice the real presence of Jesus Christ at the communion rail. We also practice the doctrine of fellowship, which means when we come to the rail, we, we hold the same truths together. Do you? Do you know the scriptures well enough to hold the same truths? Have you read them? And unfortunately, I think we're living in a day and age where if we, if we are going to succeed in being the church of Jesus Christ in our world tomorrow, we have to go back to the basics. We have to go back to the basics. We, we don't know the scriptures. Apollos did. He was competent in them. Um, competent in them. Um, let's just read just a little bit more. He says, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. Okay, this is little bit of a problem for him. He knows the scriptures, he knows the way, but he hasn't been taught about the baptism given by Jesus to the church. When you baptize, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. John's baptism was the baptism that it, it was efficacious. In other words, God worked through it. I don't want to question the, the efficacy of it, but it was done um, in, in, the, in, what, in the name of God and in the call towards what? Repentance. Let this water be what God uses to what? Repent you, turn you around, turn you towards himself. And so what's happening is, is Apollos is teaching. Priscilla and Aquila are watching him teach. Now watch what happens. Go to verse 26. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Hey, you're a great teacher. We're, we're listening to you. You expound on the word beautifully. You're teaching in the synagogue. Their predominant goal was to do what? Connect the dots. You're in the synagogue. We're going to show you who the Messiah is. This is all of our prophecies. This is Jesus Christ. Direct line. He was very good at doing that. He did not know what needed to be done with baptism. And so what's happening is Priscilla and Aquila become the teachers of the teacher. Okay? They become the teachers of the teacher. Now flip back over to Romans 16. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. They went on to become really significant players in the early church. And their role, um, everybody had their role. This is a dekinia. This is an episcopate. They had roles that they played. This is a person who has the gift of evangelism. This person has the gift. So you played your role. Their role was teaching. And they instructed the instructors. They equipped people to be able to go out. And their goal was, we, we don't want you to go out until you can accurately share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not something that's mixed up, but the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, so this is, this is their role. And what Paul is saying is, the Gentile churches in particular have been blessed by her, her work and his work of actually teaching the teachers. And again, I'm just noting this again, new wine. 
new wine. In the Jewish church, would you ever have a husband and a wife teaching the teachers? No, you would not. But what's being recognized are the gifts of the individuals, and we're going to put them to work in the church because that's how God wired up the church and not the way man wires up the church. Verse 5, greet also the church in their house. Home church. Greet my, I like this, greet my beloved. Oh my gosh, what is that thing? How would you like to read that on Sunday morning? <laughs> it's Eponetus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. So, Pastor Mike, the first person that you ever got to see become a Christian the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to ask you to name him. You remember. The first person that any of you got to watch come to Jesus Christ because you walked with them with the gospel, you'll never forget it. You'll always remember that moment when somebody who you're walking with says, what, what would prevent me from being baptized? Um, I, I still go back in my mind many, many days to uh, my good friend Thayer, who, if he were alive, he would be here in church this morning. Even though he can't move a single thing on his body but his head, because he broke his C1. He's paralyzed. He'd be here this morning. This cold, he would be here this morning. He sat up front every Sunday. I always remember him in Madonna. And... Uh, I would come and I'd read him the Bible. Will you read me the Bible? I'll read you the Bible. Until one day he said, I, I need to be baptized. I said, what was happening to you there? Um, I came into this place really angry. I didn't want to believe there is a God. And if there was a God, I hated him because he did this to me. And I've been listening to those words. And they're changing me. I need this God in my life. I need this Jesus Christ. You remember those moments. And uh, that's, that's what Paul is doing here as he's closing out. He's, do, you, do you see how connected the church is? They're, these are not strange people to him. Paul can literally say, hey, Eponidas, he was the first convert in Asia. <laughs> remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Priscilla, Aquila, remember what they've been doing? Oh, man, my goodness, yes. They've been teaching. They've been equipping people to go out and to build this church up. Okay, Phoebe. See what's happening? See how connected the church, the church is? It's very connected in Grand Island. Lutheran Church, Missouri Center, there's three of them. Those are very connected. Drive together with me. Pull together with me. Put your, yourself into this with agony because there are souls at risk. This is how Paul is leaving the world, reminding people this is our call. Not to complain about whatever we're going to complain about. To put our guts and our necks on the line for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because that's, that's what we were called to do. Let's close. Lord, as we uh, close out today, give us a spirit of a Phoebe, of an Eponidas, of a Paul, who can say, come agonize with me. Pour your guts into this thing. Because there, there's nothing else that matters in the world. If we feed the, the hungry, 
if we clothe the, the naked, but we don't reach the soul. And Lord, give us that spirit that des desires to just pull together as a body, as a body of bodies in this time, in this place, and in this town. Lord, we pray for that spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a good rest of the week. Try to